Sportsnet 960, the fan. Hour number three. It's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan at the bottom of the hour. Tommy Wielden Jr., Calvary FC manager and coach. Give us some hot World Cup talk. Ooh, hot. Semifinals get going. Do you have another soccer update, Alex, or is that done? Nope, got another one at the end of the show. Is it going to be, what, seven no, to no, ten no, minutes? No, no, How no. long is it this I, time? It will be two and a half minutes, I promise. Okay. I'm looking forward to it. We got lots to do. We have to give away the 12 days of uh, Christmas. It's day number six from our friends at Wild Rose Brewery. Crack open the advent calendar. 960-960, name and location. Um, what did Daryl Sutter mean by this? When you play and you come into Toronto, you know what goes on. Yeah, what goes on in Toronto, 960-960 on the text line. The most creative text uh, will get a chance to open up the advent calendar. By the way, thank you for everybody who texted in. We know it was about the officiating. <laughs> like we, Maddie we and I deciphered that. Been around Daryl Sutter like, for long enough that you can kind of... Yeah, Maddie and I aren't the sharpest knives in the drawer. No. Like, no. We, like there, there are many unsolved crimes that we probably couldn't figure out. Yeah, I but agree. But we did decipher the fact that he was talking about the officiating on Saturday night. Thank you to our texters. We love you so much. Appreciate it. Uh, we the love our, ne- hand is we love our next guest a lot, too. Um, Calgary Flames color voice on Sports at 960 on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We say good morning to Peter Labardius. Lou, how are you, pal? I'm good. More importantly, how are you feeling, sir? Uh, my voice is still a little rattled. It's a little beat up here right now. Um, mm-hmm. I woke I woke up covered in sweat, which I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Not no, good. it's not. Nope. No. No. Okay. No, no, it's not. Okay. No. But I'm past the stage I'm... of being contagious, so it's good. Okay. But okay. Thank you. Well, I, I agree. Well, I, I I hope the progress continues. Um, I wouldn't say that this morning. Is the best, but we <laughs> soldier on. Yeah, we do. Sometimes you just got to play through the hurts. Uh, there's the old yeah, saying. Yes, you do. Are you hurt yeah, you or are you injured? Because yeah. if you're injured, you can't go. If you're hurt, you can go. Oh, you're such a warrior, George. Um, now, uh, again, choose your own adventure here, Lou. Do you want to talk about the Minnesota Vikings now or at the end of the interview? No, let's talk about it, them at the end because I always like to have a little fun at the end. Okay, so let's, let's do that. Okay. Um. Well, okay. That no problem. I wanted to ask you this: When do you start looking at the standings when it comes to the Calgary mm. Flames? What a great question! What an absolutely unbelievable question Thank from you. the Warrior. Thank you. I can hear Patty. I can hear Patty. What's her name in the background? Um. No, no George. And, and in all sincerity. I have found myself, like, I never look Mm. under normal circumstances until about probably 40 to 50 games in. This year, for whatever reason, I find myself looking all the time. Mm. All the time. And not exactly sure why, because, you know, things are, are very, very tight. There's still a ton of games left. But yeah, I it seems or feels like they are in a big game every night. How and much- I, and I'm still even for me trying to understand why. I'll throw an idea at you. How about because last year the Flames were in a position similar to what the Golden Knights are in, 6-point cushion on first place. 
as we get near the holiday season. And now they're in a battle. They've been kind of in and out of a playoff spot every so often. But I'm right there with you. Last year, you didn't really look at the standings because you knew the Flames were in first place. That was the deal. This year, there's a battle going on every single night. Do you think that might be one of the reasons? I, I think it's part of it, Maddie. But listen, when you have covered the Calgary Flames for a long time, more often than not, you've been in this situation, not the other situation. Hmm. So I like your theory. It it feels like more of it feels like more of a battle than ever before. And I don't know if you know it's it's some of the outside noise, which I don't pay a lot of attention to. If you know, I'm looking a little bit more at other teams as much as the schedule wondering if you know Seattle's going to drop off a little bit um LA gave up a point yesterday in Columbus but it is different it is different for me for sure Lou do we talk enough about how the Flames have literally played the toughest schedule in the NHL and now for the remainder of the season they have the easiest schedule No, I don't think so, George. And it's not only have the opponents been, you know, very, very difficult, which obviously matters immensely. The other part is I've never seen a schedule quite like this one. Now, fortunately for the Flames, you know, it's it's settling back in. But to start the year with nine of ten at home and, you know, then you had two trips in basically two weeks to the east and back so it's it's been it's been a very odd schedule too that I don't think allows you to kind of get in in great rhythm they probably if they were going to go out I'd have rather gone out for nine of ten this year maybe on the road with all the new players and reverse it but no you're right we probably haven't talked about it um but whether you like it or not, and let me ask you guys this, do you like the parody of the NHL? Or mm. did you enjoy it a little bit more in days gone by where there were more, if you will, juggernauts? Uh, no, let, me, let me answer this one, Lou. Um, I'm a little older than my man here, Matty Rose. I yeah, like the fact yeah. that before the salary cap, Teams like the Rangers, the Red Wings, the Avalanche were the cream of the crop. I honestly don't care if teams like the Blue Jackets and Wild are relevant. I really don't. And I don't even think it's good for the league, like, ultimately. Like, what? who's going to be watching a Columbus Blue Jackets Stanley Cup final? Nobody. Somebody's going to watch the Rangers in the Stanley Cup final. The big original six teams and the big market teams should be the power teams in the league, in this league. That's how it works. The NFL is a completely different animal where parity works in the NFL and a small market like the Green Bay Packers can win a Super Bowl because that's how things are structured. In the NHL, I think it's the opposite. You need your big teams like the Leafs, the Habs, the Blackhawks, the Bruins, the Rangers. You need those teams to be good for the product to be better and more eyes to be on the product. With all due respect to teams like the Hurricanes and the Blue Jackets. I'm, mm, I'd go a little bit different just to say... The one thing that I love is the parity in the league because of the Knights. Like, you have 82 games at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. And because of the parity in this league, 
You have the Minnesota Wild coming in. There's a player on that team that you want to watch. Even the Columbus Blue Jackets have a couple of guys that you are intrigued to watch. And out of an 82-game season, how many more stinkers are you going to get if the top half of the league is the only one that is really loaded up with all the talent because those are the markets that can afford all of the better players. So for me, I'm a big parody guy. I love the way that the league is structured right now. I'm also a humongous NHL fan. So even if the Jackets are in the Stanley Cup final, I'm going to watch the Stanley Cup Mm. final. Irrelevant if it's Columbus, Minnesota, Florida, Rangers, Leafs, doesn't matter to me. It just matters to how many people are going to be watching on the periphery. So I don't know. For me, a diehard hockey fan, I love the parody in the league, but I can also understand kind of having a little bit of a, a different look at it, if that makes sense. It, it makes complete and perfect sense. And, George, I do think in part, uh, and I'm certainly quite a bit older than, than you are, but what we grew up with was more of that, you know, mm-hmm. I could not stand the Montreal Canadiens in the 1970s. Um, it, it made my blood boil on Saturday. But the reason I bring that up is from a competition standpoint, the parody is good. But I also think what really creates passion in people, sports fans, and frankly, even the players is is when there's villains and teams that you absolutely do not like. Mm. And there's not a lot of that. That's fair. Mm-hmm. That absolutely is fair. That's why guys like Matthew Kachuk, the league needs more guys like Matthew Kachuk. Like, even from an outsider's perspective, when the Kings and, and Flames were playing, that Doughty Kachuk thing was great. It's great theater. It it's good great. for the game. And that, that's something you look forward to watching the game. Even if, if, you know what, even if you're in the Eastern time zone, you're like, wow, I got to watch that Flames and Kings game tonight because there's going to be fireworks. We need more of that in the NHL. Yeah, we need more passion. Yeah. yeah. We need more passion. There's, there's never been more skill. But the interesting thing, guys, is, and Maddie's the perfect person, I'm, I'm not sure the younger demographic needs more of it because they don't really know what it was like to have it. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's true, too. What do you, Real quick here, Lou, this is kind of off topic, but now because we've gone down this road, I have to ask you this question. What do you think Connor McDavid thinks when he sees those massive contracts in baseball being signed by guys who are good players, but not at the level where Connor McDavid is compared to his sport? I don't know. I, I, you know what? Connor's not the easiest guy to read. <laughs> That's true. Uh, to say the least, you know, the greatest offensive talent I've ever seen in the sport in my lifetime. But I wouldn't say that, you know, and this will make all our Edmonton listeners upset, but I'm good at that sometimes. <laughs> and my kid loves them, so it's not like I don't have to deal with it. Is <laughs> I'm you would never get that answer out of him anyway. Mm. But I don't, you know, I don't know what guys think. I, you know, um, let's, let's go back to Wayne Gretzky. For what Wayne Gretzky has done for hockey, did he ever get paid anywhere near enough? No. I'd, I'd still make an argument that, you know, 
he did as much or more for the game and growing it and certainly growing it in the United States. Um, he was absolutely 100% must watch every single night. And not to say that Connor isn't because he is. It's hard. It's hard. It's a great question, George. I think to a certain point, everyone, when they think about how they compare, if they feel like what they take home is way less than somebody else um, making the same type of impact, they think that's difficult. So he he probably thinks he's a little little undersold, I guess. Kind of what what you asked us about the league and and where it's at. Do you think we should have in the NHL, and not every team has to do this, but one player that doesn't count against the salary cap? Because if a team like the Rangers, the Leafs, the Flames want to exceed the salary cap, and you could even say it's a luxury tax thing, you have one player on your roster who doesn't count against the cap. Do you think the NHL would ever go down that road and would that be better for the product? I think it probably would be better for the product. And I've thought about it. And the more I think about it, the more I'm okay with it. Because it does create Here's what I here's here's a, an answer to not necessarily this question, George. But here is what I don't like in regards to that situation. What I'd love to come up with, and I, you know, I'm not smart enough. Um, I, I'm the spoon in that drawer you guys were talking about. Um, but I do think about things a lot. Yep. Um, is I don't completely like it because I want teams who draft and develop and do it really well to be bonused. Yeah. That's what I'd like to see. What I don't like, and we've seen it a lot in the salary cap era, I don't like it when, you know, Chicago had to sell off. You know, Tampa Bay's had to, you know, go in a different direction. Um, You know, even Winnipeg. Winnipeg almost had to discard half of its defense because their forwards took off, and that left them in a lurch. And, you know, in those situations, especially Tampa and Winnipeg, right? well, they draft and develop as well as anybody. So the answer is still yes, but I'd like the bonus plan for, you know, well, that's it. I've come up with the bonus plan. No, the, I, bonus I, plan yeah. the bonus plan is you get extra room – if indeed a player that you want to have and continue to want to have was drafted and developed by you. I think, I think that is such a smart point because then that, that stops teams from going out and throwing gobs of money. Let's say like Austin Matthews is a free agent in two years from now, which I don't think he will be, but let's say he was then that, then that there's an unlimited amount of money a team can give that guy. But since he's, you know, been drafted by the Maple Leafs, they can give him X number of dollars. It doesn't count against the salary cap. I think that's a super smart point. And I think a lot of teams can get behind that too. Yeah, I would think so. That That's how I'd go. So, But would Gary I ever think- go for it? That's the problem when it's all said and done. 
Well, I mean, you know, Gary's still in love with Arizona. So, and, he, and listen, I say that in jest because if you're an owner of the NHL and in the NHL, how would you not love the work that Gary's done? And by the, by the, by the way, you know, whether we think highly of him or how he goes about his business, he's done a pretty remarkable job in terms of the growth of the National Hockey League. It's a tantalizing conversation to have. Um, we'll just send it right off to the NHL League office. They can have a listen. Maybe get back to us with some comments, criticisms, and we can go yeah, from they're, there. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna get all over my ideas in about one second for sure. I assume that they would. Um, Lou, I wanted to they ask... Should. Yeah. It w- they're not bad ideas. Lou, I wanted to ask you about uh, the call-ups and the weekend that we saw from them. Um, listen, the Columbus game was not good. The Leafs game, I thought, was one of the more entertaining games of the season. But what did you make of Matthew Phillips and Adam Zahorna getting into the lineup? Well, I'm going to start with the guy that everyone in the community isn't talking about, and that's Zahorna. There is a lot there. He reminds me, in a sense, of Adam Rizicka. Skilled, can skate. You saw the way he drove the puck to the net the other night. He's made three or four outstanding plays in limited time. That is a package with lots to offer. And my guess is, like Ruzichka, the issue has been consistency and driving it home more often. The other minor concern with him is need to be better on the other side of the puck as well. But I don't think he's coming out anytime soon. I really don't. Um, It was just awesome on the Matthew Phillips front to get back in the lineup, and he referenced it a couple of times. Listen, if you've never had a chance to do it, you know, even in our business, to have a chance to cover a Saturday night hockey game in Toronto or Montreal is different. It just is. Um, You know, that's the reality of it. So for this young guy who absolutely loves this sport beyond belief, it's the reason in many ways his passion and love affair and work is why He's in this type of a mix. I just, I thought it was just amazing that he and his family, you know, could could see that and see their son on a Saturday night, hockey night in Canada. And I thought he was just fine. Um, you know, he played 921. He made a couple of plays. They used him on the second unit power play. He's a really intelligent, smart player. Does he... You know, is he a burner? No. Is he for sure the lightest guy in the NHL? Yes. Does that make his world more difficult? Absolutely. But I thought he handled himself very, very well. Daryl called out the defense after the Columbus game. I thought Noah Hannafin really responded with an outstanding effort in Toronto. And I thought the blue line as a whole played considerably better than they did in Columbus. Would you agree? Well, Listen, I'm not going to sugarcoat Friday. Ugh. That was putrid with a capital P. That's, that wasn't even close 
to being at the standard for anybody on the group. You know, that that's one of those rare ones. I don't think we'll see another one quite like that one the rest of the year. That was unacceptable. Um, so I thought the whole group competed hard, played hard. The defense was much better. Um, you know, it wasn't a great night, unfortunately, for Michael Stone, who played 533 and didn't really get used in the third period. In fact, I think he played a 21-second shift. But a much better night for that grouping, Maddie, and a much better night for everyone in the group. Is Milan Lucic played tonight, Lou? I don't know, George. I don't expect I don't expect them to sit out for too too much longer. Hmm. Um, you know this, and there's already lots of stuff brewing out there about how upset either he is or other people around his camp might be. Um, I think it'll be a good thing for him. Whether he gets in tonight, I don't know. I know he's going to get back in again. Um, because he will be incredibly challenged. And this will feel different to him, George, than any other time. Because hmm. now you're right on now you're right on the line. And he loves this sport so much. I've known him since he was seventeen. Um, I have so much time for him, what he's brought to the game, what he's accomplished. You know, he lost his father in a very difficult way several years ago, had to battle back, and, and obviously I think that still, you know, weighs heavily. So, you know, we get challenged, and, and the unfortunate thing about athletics is you can't do it the way you want to do it forever. I don't, But I don't know. I don't know. Against mm. Montreal and what they offer and the kind of team they are, Hard to say, but if he does get in, I'm going to tell you, he'll be a noticeable guy tonight for his mm. 10 or 12 minutes. That, I assure you. Uh, Lou, I apologize that you might have to get sour now. Um, how would you sum up the Minnesota Vikings game in Detroit yesterday in three words? Ooh. Defense, no good. <laughs> <laughs> it's only 400-plus yards to the Lions. How was Jamison Williams that open? Oh, boy. Again, fellas, I'm a big believer in sports that you got to get stops. If you're going to be a real legitimate team, you've got to be able to stop people. And I'm a little tired, not to say that I think he's the world's greatest, but if I see one more tweet about how rotten Kirk Cousins is, and, you know, like, and, and all of a sudden, even Brock Purdy was better yesterday. Um, no, they're, they're not legit. They've come a long way. But a lot of games, they can't block the fire exit on defense. Mm. They're not good enough over there. So they're going to get in the playoffs. They're going to win their division. I'm very happy with their progress. Um, if things kind of seed the right way, you never know. They might get on a little run if you can get two home games against the right opponents. But, you know, this, this team's not – they're not ready yet because they're not good enough on one side of the ball. The Vikings are like the Packers 
of wide receivers, though. Because, you know, in Green Bay, obviously, they went from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. In Minnesota, yep. you go from Chris Carter to Randy Moss to Justin Jefferson. Oof. Like, it's insane how they just produce these guys. And you run out of superlatives when talking about Jay Jettas because the guy is so incredible. Just Like, they know they're yesterday. throwing him the ball, yet they still can't stop it. He's, uh, he's marvelous. He might be the best of all of those guys. Mm. Chris Carter is, on the field at least, my favorite all-time Minnesota Viking wide receiver because week after week back in his day, you know, he'd make three catches every Sunday that most other people wouldn't even get anywhere close to being able to make. This guy's combination of strength, the way he runs routes, the way he goes and gets balls, you know, he doesn't, George, have, I don't think he has the straight-up breakaway ability that Randy had. This guy is incredible. Incredible. And they better get that guy locked. You want to talk about raises, that guy better get a big raise, and it better come soon. Uh, Got a way to maybe raise the mood before we say goodbye. How was the call yesterday with our good friend Sander Persina as the Wranglers Uh, notched another win? Well, the the game, San Diego, oof. I don't need another Wrangler San Diego game in my life <laughs> in the near future. Um, Wranglers were good, but my favorite part is I, I just I, I love Sandra to pieces. Um, I'm so excited for her to get this opportunity. Anybody who's spent any time with her knows that, you know, I say this, and I don't say this about a lot of people, and Maddie can confirm this, George, being the hard marker I can be sometimes. Sandra Prasina is everything that's right about our business. Mm. She loves sports. She loves the craft. She works hard at it. She's very, very intelligent. Uh, she's meant a lot to women's sports, continues to pound that drum. Um, yeah, it was, it, it was a fun afternoon, and I have, I have so much time for her. And in any small little way that I can – help her journey and progress, I am all for it. Unless it's the goals in town, then then don't call. Well, not for a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> Need a little break. Peter Labardius, yep. Flames Color Voice on Sportsnet 960. Lou, always great stuff. Thanks for this. Okay, Georgie, take care of yourself. And Rose and Bloom, we'll see you soon. Bye, buddy. Bye. The best. Uh, brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. <laughs> Come in and enjoy hockey and football game day specials at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Pickup and delivery also available at Atlas Pizza, 403-248-3344. Real quick, before we get to Tommy Wielden Jr., I'm yeah. getting some heat on the text line. You're taking heat? Over you my, are? Uh, oh, no surprise, a Torontonian oh. thinks the NHL for Rob. First of all, I'm not from Toronto. I'm from Niagara Falls. Big difference. Second of all, um, I don't know if you're aware of this. People who texted in. 80% of the revenue generated by the National Hockey League is from the Canadian franchises. The Calgary Flames have money. They make money. They make lots of bank. And when they eventually build this new arena here, which we hope is sooner than later, mm-hmm. they'll even make more bank. Yeah. And listen to Doug McClain talk about the Columbus Blue Jackets. While he was still the general manager over a decade into the franchise, they were still paying off their expansion fee. Yeah. Because they weren't making any money. 
They can't get any players to go there. Now Johnny's there, right. and they're just an absolutely garbage team. Like, and I don't the know. I think of the a 90s lot of this correlates the, to how the play has been. Have the Jackets ever been good? Right. The Flames of the 90s is not the same that would be now because the Flames make a ton of money. Yeah. Just like the rest of the Canadian teams make a ton of money. They do. Oh, you mean like they. Like the way that they didn't have the same rosters in the 90s because they couldn't spend the way that the other teams were spending? Right. Mm. Fair point. They could spend that now. And then they had the Stanley Cup. So Again, they were making some money out of that. 80% of the revenue in the National Hockey League comes from the seven Canadian franchises. That's just the way it is. And then I bet you could probably account for like 10 to 15% for about maybe 10 American teams. You don't think, you don't think the Flames would want to spend over the cap right now to add a winger? I, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. I, I just think that there has to be a little bit of a way for, like, I would hate if there's just teams in the league that just become those, like, the Miami Marlins, where you're literally just, like, a right. team that drafts sure. players, develops them, and then moves them. But, and but you again, never to win, point, and you're never worth watching. Which I think is so smart, there should be maybe a, a spot in the salary cap if you've drafted that player that you're allowed to keep them and they don't count against the salary cap. I don't hate that. Like, some sort of a... Not a luxury tax, yeah. but some sort of something to allow you, if you draft properly, if you develop properly. Why are you properly, getting penalized from a guy who's developed into a superstar player and you can't keep him? Not necessarily free agency stuff. Like, you shouldn't be able to just, okay, we're at the cap. Oh, That's this right. guy's a free agent. We're going to bring in Gaudreau. Right. Now we're $12 million over. I like that idea. But if you can find a way to, yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that. I just, you know, like I said, kind of a, a small market hockey fan. And I can watch any team. It doesn't matter to me where they're from, as long as they've got good players on the ice. Like mm-hmm. I'm not going to watch the Jackets right now, because I'm not going to watch the Jackets right now. Th- this but is, this is a conversation we can have for hours and hours and hours. Literally, it's just better for the league when the marquee franchises are good. I agree. That's with essentially that. what I'm saying. Totally agree. And okay. right now there are some marquee franchises that are good within the salary cap yep. too. Uh, Tommy Wilden Jr., Cavalry FC manager, straight ahead. We'll also give Dude, away. They just keep rigging the draft lottery. That no or problem. Or you could do that. Well, yeah. they did it in the NBA years ago with Patrick Ewing. Um, Cold cards. So, I found sort out. of not. Yeah. Sort of. Sort of not. Uh, we'll talk to Tommy Wilden Jr. We'll give away our uh, Wild Rose Brewery uh, sixth day of Christmas for your text message on what Daryl Sutter meant, what goes on in Toronto. We'll do that to wrap up the show. It's um, a big show. Just want to mention this really fast. The Stampeders have just announced that Dave Dickinson is going to take over as general manager, and Ooh. John Huffnagel is stepping down. Okay, that's big news. More on that as we complete the show. All right. Big show, Ruskin Rose. Sports at 960, The Fan. You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Oh, yeah. Big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Lots to do here. We got to give away day number six of the 12 days of Christmas from our good friends at Wild Rose Brewery mm-hmm. on the text line 960 960. Uh, what did Daryl Sutter mean when he said these things happen in Toronto? When you play and you come into Toronto, you know what goes on. Yeah, what goes on? You know what goes on. Name and location. But right now what on the it? Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, our man for the World Cup still alive in our pool, Tommy Wielden Jr., Cavalry FC manager and coach. Tommy, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Yeah, it was uh, quite the weekend of excitement, wasn't it, with the World Cup games? Well, I, I have to ask you, because I've been away a little under the weather. Tommy, how was Hawaii? Uh, it was great. It was uh, yeah. just what we needed. My wife and I, uh, married for 10 years, agreed to renew our vows in front of our kids. Ooh. So it was a nice uh, 
holiday slash uh, renewing our vows. So it was a wonderful moment for all of us. I knew you were romantic, Tommy Wilden. I knew it. I knew that about you the first time I met about you. You're a real honey dripper. I knew that. I knew well, that. Do, do you know what? It's uh, contract extensions is how my wife calls. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. You, you, those are things you can deal with. I like it. How yeah. bad did you feel for Harry Kane after he just fired that second pen right over the bar? Oh, do you know what? It was it was uh, sickening, wasn't it? I was I was trying to watch my son play and had England and France on 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 my phone because I watched the first half at home. Um, and it's just, it was a total thing of mind games. I thought England, you know, on the day, you know, you can say that they were the better team, but France are world champions for a reason. They had that ability to absorb uh, any type of England pressure. Uh, didn't give up much other than the, the PK chances. I think England started well uh, the first half, uh, sorry, the second half. Um, Griezmann, I thought, was fantastic. Mbappe, England kept quiet, but... When Kane's at his first penalty, you're already thinking, right, he's playing against his club teammate, Hugo mm-hmm. Lloris of, of Spurs. So you think, right, there's mind games here, done, took the business, sent him the wrong way. And then a second one comes in and you're like, and I remember, uh, uh, I think it was an interview after Spurs had played Liverpool. He said, you always prepare for the first penalty. The second one, you don't really, because how often do you get two penalties in the same game? So then you can see the focus now is mind games. Do I send him the wrong way? Do I send him that way? Is he going to go this way? And I tell you, it just obviously became too much, and he ended up skying it. So I felt for him because he's he's been superb in an England jersey, he represents everything. Um, but it was a reaction to me afterwards that really got me. Was 19-year-old Jude Bellingham, who'd had a fantastic tournament, was the first England player to go over and get an experienced pair like Kane and put his hand on his head. It was it was incredible. But look, credit to France, they know how to win, and they know how to win in pressured games, and that's something England don't have. So. You know, they're through to the semis now, but it was a, it was an exceptional game. And yeah, I was gutted to see them go out. Uh, Tommy, are you surprised with how many missed penalties we've had in this tournament, even in the shootouts? Yeah, no, it just shows the nerve, isn't it? It's the weight of it. It's, you know, those of you that play golf, it's no different than those two-foot putts, right? You know you should make them, but then your brain and your mind over-guessing, you know, even Messi, world-classes, as Mr. PK in this tournament. You know, he's, he's scored a couple, obviously, one in the shootout and uh, one against the Netherlands. But he's Mr. PK. So it's, uh, yeah, you'd think with a target that big, it'd be easier said than done, but clearly not. Uh, Tommy, are you a weirdo like me that I can look at a player's face and I'm like, he's going to miss this? You can just tell by his <laughs> facial expression? Or am I reading too <laughs> much into that sometimes? I've been called a lot worse, actually, to be honest, mate. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I can. You, you actually almost... Like, it's the empath in you. You can feel yeah. their feelings by their facial expressions, but it's there's a process to it, right? They say, like, if you stand over the ball too long, and some of these times now, the referee's, you know, taking the time to get the whistle, get everybody outside the box, but it's the ones that have the ball in their hands and go through a process. And in fairness, Kane did go through a process. It just it didn't work for him. It's all about the execution. Morocco and Croatia both advanced, both played in Canada's group uh, back in the group stage. Is that... Is that relevant to Canadian soccer at all, given how the matches went against Croatia and Morocco and now to see them in the Final Four? Has to be. Um, I mean, because, you know, like I said, I think we've talked on this show and there was criticisms for John Erdman afterwards, which I just thought was foolhardy because he's got them there and they had a very tough group. Essentially, they've had the group of death because, look, Belgium are no pushovers. Yeah, they didn't perform as well as they do, but they've still got stars playing at the biggest stage. And, you know, Kevin De Bruyne and Axel Witzel and, uh, you know, Lukaku, all, all those guys. Um, 
Courtois as well in goal. But I think Morocco have been a team of the tournament. They've, you know, they've tied Croatia. They've beat Belgium and Canada. They've beat Spain on penalties. And now they've beat Portugal. You know, arguably, they've had the hardest run to the semifinals. And I think anything's possible for them because, you know, they, they've known how to play against these top sides. France have been a team, really, that, you know, they'll, they'll have their fair share of the ball because they want to cut you open. But Morocco are so comfortable in their defensive structure that they'll sit back in. I've been very impressed with um, you know this coach Walid Regrugi, if I'm pronouncing his name right. But he's been brilliant, and he came into the Morocco's national side you know just before the World Cup. He brought back uh, Hakim Ziyech. They've got Hakimi and him down on the right hand side. I think Amrabat in midfield has been just a, a stalwart in breaking plays up, and they've been the absolute disruptors. So I've been impressed with them. Croatia have just, they've got nerves of steel. I mean, I don't think really they get the credit that they deserve on, on the international stage. You know, they're the runners-up in the last World Cup in 2018 to France. Now, it's been interesting because they've tied four out of their five games. The only team they've actually beat in open play is Canada. So it's been interesting because their last two wins now have been on penalties against Japan and Brazil. I think they've got one of the best midfield threes of Modric, Brozovic and Kovacic. I think they're really like just they can hold their nerve in these tough games. And I think it's going to be very interesting come the semifinals now against Argentina. What are you expecting to see from Lionel Messi and his Argentina side as they take on Croatia tomorrow? He's just coming into his own, isn't he? I mean, uh, that game, like, I think it set a rare, uh, I think that was a game of the round, the Netherlands and Argentina. The reason being, you know, Messi was magic. His, his nutmeg pass for the first goal was ridiculous. You know, kids around the world should be watching the way he, he caresses the ball, the way he finds space when there isn't any. The guy's just an absolute genius. And then he scored coolly to make it 2 0. So you think it's 2 0. Argentina, you know, under Scaloni, the coach, you know, they're the Copa America winners. And they've found ways to win now and use their strength. So it's probably, I think I've said it before, it's probably the most teamship that I think I've seen in this Argentina where it's not a bunch of stars including Messi it's a bunch of really good teammates and they've got the special talent in Messi um, but I think when the Netherlands refused to lose they changed their style brought on Baycourt who's a big six foot four six foot five striker started playing a little bit more direct and Argentina aren't the biggest so it was a good ploy by Louis van Gaal and then to get the equaliser with literally the last kick of the game and the nerve to play a little short free kick into Vegas was ridiculous and, you know, set the tempo for a, a very, uh, very inspired uh, extra time. And yeah, 19 yellows, I think, is an international record. And mm. I think Messi, given the, the the Dutch team the ears and all this, there was all sorts that went on after that game. Yeah, a lot of passion behind that matchup. Uh, Tommy, before I let you go, we always know hindsight's always twenty twenty. But when I look how far Morocco and Croatia have gotten in this tournament, it makes me feel better about Canada's World Cup. Does that have the same effect on you? Definitely. I mean, I think the, the, the challenge for Canada was to get the first points on the board after only being in an 86 and also the first goal. They got the first goal, didn't get the first point. I think they were severely unlucky to have not beaten Belgium. Um, could have got something out of the Morocco game right near the end had they not started you know, the way they did. But I think they can take a lot. This is still a young group that in four years' time, the majority of this group of Davies, David, you know, Johnson's just gone off to Celtic. Coney's gone off to Watford now. And you think four years ago, there was a lot of talk of where were these players playing? You know, so what inspires me now 
is as a player that's about maybe to break into a CPL side or get drafted in this upcoming U Sports or playing in a local amateur league somewhere or an academy that will be part of this four years. We've seen it. I've seen it with Sam Adekubi. I've seen it with Joel Waterman in 2019. We drafted him out of uh, Trinity Western in BC. And so these stories are going, we've got to get more players in the highest leagues in the world. So we've got to keep pushing players forward. And if we can get the next Aaron Peppel, Victor Latouris and sell them on, then phenomenal. We'll do our job whilst we'll still compete. So I think the future is only bright, but we can't stand still. I think that's the biggest message because I'm sure US, I'm sure Mexico will want to be improving. I'm sure Costa Rica, who are all at the World Cup as well, will want to keep improving. we just got to keep going. Tommy Wilden, Junior Cavalry FC manager and coach. Tommy, best of luck to France. You're still alive in her pool. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was bittersweet, that one, wasn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah. I'll look, forward, I'll look forward to lunch from you guys if I pull this one out. Sounds good. Uh, there he goes, right. Tommy Wilden, Jr. Um, brought to you by, uh, he was on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Come in and enjoy hockey and football game day specials at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Pick a band delivery, also available at Atlas Pizza, 403-248-3344. Tommy realizes we work in radio, right? Hmm. Like, yeah. What's that lunch going to look like? Grilled cheese sandwich? Yeah, you ever been Glass to Wendy's for lunch? <laughs> whoa, 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 Tommy, no extra cheese what? sauce. What? Slow down. What are you doing? Cheese sauce? Are you insane? Stick to the value meal, bud. Come on. Uh, you want to give away uh, the sixth day of the 12 days of Christmas from our good friends at Wild Rose Brewery? I would like to do that. Uh, we opened up the text line. You've done a great job, uh, as you always do. Uh, 960, 960, name and location. Um, play the Daryl Sutter clip one more time, and then we'll read some of the text. W- what did, what did, what, what does happen in Toronto? We know it's about the officiating. Thank you for everyone who's texted in the numerous texts we got about that. But we wanted some creativity. Hit the clip. When you play and you come into Toronto, you know what goes on. Um, according to uh, Brent and High River, what goes on in Toronto is the Zanzibar on Young Street. Now, have, have you been? Uh, no, but I know of the <laughs> Zanzibar. W- would you go? Um, it's a place. How can I say this? Uh huh. It's a place where women take their clothes off for money. Oh, it's a strip joint. It's very shady. Oh, good. Young Street is shady. Very shady. Just like all. Did I tell all you about the arcade when I went as a kid and had. Should we do it like at 6 a.m. another day instead? Or is it, you know, there's people driving to school right now. Yeah, we won't talk about that. All right. Um, Gordon Riverbend, uh, a lot of carjackings. Sorry, Mitch. LOL. (laughs) (laughs) Richard in Calgary, what happens in Toronto? The Leafs show up in the arena in a clown car. (laughs) That's not (laughs) bad. Kyle in Swift Current, Saskatchewan, the Brass Rail, Fillmore Gentlemen's Club, and other fine establishments. Fillmore Gentlemen's Club. Is right around the corner from the Rogers Mothership in downtown oh, Toronto. Really? Yeah. So, do we get a discount? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I can't even read this place. Where is this place, Dwayne? Involving a stripper, a monkey, and a donkey, three feathers, and a pail of <laughs> butterscotch ice cream. Can't say no more. Where's Dwayne from? I think that might be a last name. Oh, okay. Because I, I don't know. That's I don't know that word. That's not. Uh, That's not Dave on the East Coast, but I do know George's immune system took a shirt kicking in Toronto. Uh, it was on the flight home <laughs> back to Calgary where it took a shirt kicking. Thank you. Our man Wedley, uh, free Sean Desmond and chocolate tickets for Sergey Bears and jerseys in the crowd. 
that goes on in, in Toronto. That is a very, very. Um, is Sean Desmond Toronto. like the? Does he play like every weekend in Toronto? That feels like Chocolaire, maybe. Which one do you like out of all of those? I like one of the uh, later ones, actually. Um, Which one do you like? Dwayne, maybe. Stripper, a monkey, a donkey. Oh, I like this one. What's going on in Toronto? Adults using crayons to color in black and white photos of 1967 from Adam in Calgary. (laughs) Okay. All right, Adam, you win. Congratulations. (laughs) Can we crack open the door, Alex, to see what he wins? Oh, wow. Okay. What'd you get? What'd you get? It's a Wild Rose Brewery beanie. Oh, Oh, a beanie. A beanie. All right, congratulations, Congrats. Adam. That's some sick swag. You want a beanie. Some drippy merch. We will uh, text you the deets. Congratulations. That's a good one. Not bad. Adults. See, creativity. Seven. That's what I like from our listeners. That's, see, that's the one creativity. that we wanted. That's what you want. Also, shout out to the, the dozens know. of people Thank that you. told us what Daryl was talking you. about. Um, Flames and Habs tonight. Uh, we'll be all over it like a dirty shirt tomorrow. I think I'm coming in tomorrow. I think you did really good. Did my voice last? It still sounds very rough. I will say, like, at the end of the opening segment, I was like, phew, good thing we got a lot of guests at the morning report coming up. Because, listen, we'll wade you back in. Yeah. Short minutes, um, pitch count, whatever you want to say. Sure. Yeah. Snap count? Snap count, pitch count. There's only one way we could end this show. How's that? And that's a soccer report brought to you by Certain Deed. <laughs> <laughs> Our man, Alex Brody. Alex, you ready? Oh, I'm ready. All right. Take it away, pal. <laughs> All right. So this soccer report is brought to you by Certainty, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. Certainty pro all the way. So I went through quarterfinal matchups. I'm going to go through them quickly again, but much, much quicker for you guys. So we are done. Quarterfinals. First up, Croatia taking on Brazil. This one would need penalties. And it was Croatia's experience that shined. Croatia taking that one after two pretty big misses from Brazil. Next up, it was Netherlands taking on Messi's Argentina. This one was a fiery affair, as you just heard. Lots of yellow cards given out. Start off all Argentina. Netherlands storm back, also needing penalties. But it was Argentina who come out on top thanks to a great performance from goaltender Emmy Martinez. And Portugal taking on Morocco on the other side of the bracket. Morocco looking to make history here to become the first African side to make the semifinals at the tournament. And oh boy. Did they impress? And they did it. They have made history. They take down Cristiano Ronaldo in Portugal to move on to the semis. And finally, France taking on England. This was a great heavyweight European matchup. Both teams pre-tournament favorites. But this one was France. Kane, Harry Kane, England striker, missing a crucial penalty to tie the game. France take this, takes this one in regulation 2-1. to one. And that leaves us to our semifinals. Croatia will be taking out Argentina first. And then it will be followed by Morocco taking on France. We'll have updates on those as they come in. And that's that's going to do it. This soccer report is brought to you by Certainty, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. Certainty, pro all the way. That's what I'm talking about, Alex. Great job. Thank you. Whoop, whoop. Semi-final. Uh, we got really quickly here in what? 30 seconds. What do you want? Big CFL news involving oh, yeah. our, our, our team here. Uh. Dave Dickinson is moving into a new role. Well, it's a bit of a role. He's going to be the head coach and the general manager of the Calgary Stampeders. John, uh, yeah, he's going to be both. Okay. Uh, John Hoffnagel staying around the team. He's just going to change his role to be team president. 
And then there's uh, a couple of other changes happening too. Uh, Brendan Mahoney is going to be the assistant general manager prior. He was the director of player personnel. Yeah. And uh, Cole Huffnagel and director of football operations, Nick Boda, will also take on some additional so responsibilities. We, sh- we should reach out to Dave and have him on the show tomorrow. I've uh, put a request in. They're also speaking to the media at 1130 today. So going to try and make it to that too. All right. Sounds good. Uh, great job today, Maddie. Um, I'm going to try to roll out of bed tomorrow and show up again covered in sweat tomorrow. I just want you to speak. No words for the next okay twenty three hours or twenty one hours. All right, and then you Deal. can come back and speak as much as you want. Uh, we'll talk to you uh, tomorrow. Bye.